Fualsha, 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 Akharja Gael. How are you getting on? It's myself and Carlan, and I am on the beach doing a seaside broadcast for this little introduction for the chat with Taz Kelleher and Geraldine Carton, aka The Useless Project. I thought it was Useless Project, but it's useless. Geraldine and Taz have this long-standing collaboration going on, making everybody more aware about various aspects of sustainability, sustainability in fashion and food and general day-to-day practices, which I've been following for quite a long time, so it was really nice to have them on the podcast and have the chats with them. I really enjoy keeping up to date with what they're doing because they make these wee videos together sometimes, which are really funny, but also talking about very important things and make lots of useful infographics and resources and Geraldine loves memes that she does a big stream off on Mondays, Monday memes, which I enjoy following and they organize events as well. And I had a really good chat with him, so I think you're going to enjoy it. Because I'm outside, I'm going for a dander. I haven't got a huge amount more to say, except for thanks very much to all of the patrons who have been supporting the podcast and keeping the show on the road over on patreon.com forward slash rebel matters. So thanks very much to everyone who's been doing that. Uh, we've been having a great year so far all the episodes that we've made met some lovely new people made some new friends we've got class episodes lined up and some more plans for the rest of the year all made possible by our patrons so if you want to become a patron go over to patreon.com forward slash rebel matters and you can see the various tiers of support and our corresponding mini gestures of gratitude that we'll send out to you as a small thank you for your support this little going outside for the introductions has been inspired by the Adam Buxton podcast uh, I just thought I would take to the seashore to record them rather than sitting in the house so I hope that's okay here watching two kite surfers doing their thing in the waves getting some serious air time that's class anyway that's it enjoy this chat with Taz and Jordan and uh, speak to you later Slam.
thanks a million for coming on to the podcast hello thank you for having us we are so excited genuinely actually. excited yeah. not just saying excited actually excited <laughs> <laughs> um first of all is it the useless project or the use less project now, this this is the ultimate question. Is it chicken or an egg? Um, so we would say the useless project, and it's kind of centering around, and you're going to get the whole uh, elevator pitch now, that you know, that kind of feeling of uselessness that people feel, and um, that you know, a lot of the um, solution to the, the kind of ki- climate crisis and climate chaos and all the, the issues is using less. So if we just use less resources, if we use less energy, then that would kind of minimize a lot of the, the, the bigger kind of problems. Um, but you know, we kind of had that talk of, are we going to be the use less project or the useless project and it kind of just would it was it was easier to roll off the tongue um the useless and we felt like it was a little bit like oh tongue-in-cheek like oh calling yourself useless useless uh but you can call us whatever you want because john and jim (laughs) (laughs) so i was sitting there going that's a class name the useless project and i was just going around being like did you see that useless project and then when taz when you messaged me there a week or two ago and then i was like hang on a second i was like it's the use less project. I think I've been going around calling them useless, the useless project for so long, and I've had proper guilt. I like, no. Yeah. You know what's so funny that when we change the name, like you can imagine any kind of company changing their name, there's a lot of thought has got into it. You know, they're thinking about the, the, the pros and cons of this name and like why it works and how it might not work. Anyway, so did we launch or made the announcement to launch the new name? And of course, no offense, but of course, it was a man got in touch with us. Flint or DMs. It's like, hi, girls, just want to let you know there's actually quite a few negative connotations with the word useless. People might not realize it's use less. And I was like, yeah, we already knew that was supposed to happen. Didn't appreciate it, but appreciate well, you uh, bringing it up. <laughs> how, how did you just end up getting into the world of sustainability in the first place? Okay. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Drum roll, please. Go for it. Charlene, start the pitch. <laughs> So effectively, we always kind of say that, you know, we didn't come out of the womb with placards saying sustainability, you know, now we all have to change in like anti-fast fashion, especially, I mean, we'll talk about our two kind of perspective intros into the world of sustainability but like me i have to say i grew up in a world like i've got four four sisters you know all of us would have been kind of keen fashion followers um but like we would have been getting the 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 boohoos the the pretty little things the zara every other week i was definitely like you know in that bubble of kind of consumerism i ended up i whilst i started off um my kind of education or you know, third level education doing social work. I mean, I really wanted to like do something good in the world. Actually, I had originally wanted to be a nurse. Um, if we're going to go way back and I had that on my CAO and I was all ready to do nursing and then all the different colleges. And then I remember it was like a few weeks until the, the CAO had to be submitted and my mom came back from playing golf. She's like, oh God, you're really look at my foot. It's all so painful. And I was like, oh my God, can I come in and help you? And I, I had a look at it and it was this huge bulbous um, blister. And I was like, <laughs> I never want to deal with, handle, see anything like that again. I was like, right, I'm going to have to make a quick uh, U-turn away from the uh, nursing idea. So still wanted to do something to help people, the world in some way. So I was like, hey, uh, social work. I went to Trendy and did that for two and a half years. And then just it just wasn't working basically it was it was I'm too sensitive and find that I was you know I worked with the traveling community with people with special needs and with the elderly community and I just was getting too sucked into each and every person's story and it was, it was really really hard um, and I also also would have been like that little bit more creative so um I ended up turning around basically and um starting a course called creative and cultural industries in DIT which effectively for all purposes is uh 
doing like transition year four degree uh, <laughs> it was like all these random subjects mixed mashed into one like marketing and then kind of French and then film studies knitting yeah <laughs> honestly there was anything you could imagine so then I got into social media and then I got into writing so when I was talking about you know I was part of this consumer culture I ended up writing for a women's fashion magazine so that's like you know knee to neck deep in this kind of level of consumers and this this kind of consumers culture that I would be trying to rage against now and uh so I worked there for a year and then uh kind of I suppose that that itch that needs to be scratched to do something good kind of came at me again and I was like right maybe uh riding my bum lifting leggings isn't what I was supposed to you know what, what I was put on this planet to do so uh it was it was all a big case of serendipity because I had been following Taz and um, she didn't know me but I knew her because I was writing a lot about podcasts Taz was working as a podcast producer and it was the day that I was like right I'm going to hand in my notice I'm going to do something positive go back to go back to my roots um I don't know what it's going to be it was a kind of a big leap of faith when I said it to my editor because she assumed I had some plan in mind of why I was leaving, leaving the job and I didn't at all but it was that evening that I saw this post that Taz put up being like hey guys I really want to organize um like it was a, a charity shop role was it at the time yeah, it was, yeah. So, so basically to give a bit of a background in my story yeah. um I was kind of always into sustainability but not again would I even realize not because I was an environmentalist per se I was kind of interested in secondhand clothing I love charity shopping and like we always say charity shopping is like 30% bargain 30% for the planet and 30% like smoke and I was the smoke I was doing it for the smoke I was doing it for like somebody saying where did you get your dress and I'd say Charity shop, two euro, don't worry about it. Um, but basically what was happening, I was I was big into charity shops and I was producing podcasts at the time. And from producing podcasts, I had like a little bit of a following online, like not a big following at all. But Geraldine, as as she mentioned, was writing about podcasts, writing about the podcasts I produced. So Geraldine followed me. Yeah. And every single week on my Instagram, I was doing like a charity shop sneak peek. So I was going into an area, going to an area of Dublin and like showcasing uh, a selection of the clothes that could be found in each of the charity shops. Cause like they, they tend to be in clusters in Dublin in particular. Like if you go to Fisborough, there's like five charity shops on Camden street. There's like five charity shops. Blah, blah. And um, that was kind of getting a bit of traction. And I saw that there was an app out there for secondhand clothing. So I was like, feck it. Be great to organize some sort of a swap shop to get these people together. So my intention was to get 10 people into a pub, sit in a little snug somewhere over a couple of pints of Guinness. Everybody throw five items of clothing that they're no longer wearing onto the table and, you know, everyone else take five. So it's just kind of like a swap amongst ourselves. And that's when I, I literally put that up on my Instagram and journaling messaged me that evening. So it's so funny, but we started our company in the first 10 minutes of meeting each other. Like we did not know each other before we started the useless project. And also it very nearly, like nothing happened very nearly because I like messaged Taz, and, but like I'm quite passionate as you might kind of get, gather from the way I kind of speak about stuff. But I get like really like, you know, all in, it's all or nothing. And so I, when I saw that she put up this post and sorry, I should say as well, like my interest in sustainable fashion wasn't again in necessarily sustainability, but like I love the idea of secondhand clothing and like, the memories that they carry. And um, I kind of get quite sentimental my clothing in particular so I would have loved going to flea markets I'd gone to a few swap shops love them so when I saw this post that has put up I was like that's the thing that's the thing that's been calling me I didn't even realize so hounded when I say hounded Taz with messages and we were supposed to meet up at one point and then we didn't and Taz recently found a notebook that she had at the time and it had <laughs> the date that we were supposed to meet and then it was saying like meeting meeting Geraldine Carton and then it was crossed out and wrote underneath she wrote too hungover so we were like so then I was like oh gosh I'm but anyway we ended up meeting up the following week and we just we just clicked like we, we did we really got on so well um, and 
So our first ever event was a charity shop crawl. And it's just so funny to think back on it now because um, we thought that, like, I don't know what we thought that we, thousands of people who we wanted to come on our charity shop crawl, but we had six. Six people came on the charity and, shop And crawl. we were elated that what? there were six people there. So basically what we did was we just brought a group of six people on a trail of charity shops in Dublin and we ended up at the end having a couple of drinks and chatting to all of them. But like, if you could, if you could contain the excitement that we had after that event and put it in tablet form, like all wars would be ended in the world because we were like, that was just, I, I haven't felt fulfillment like after that event where we brought six strangers on a train of charity shops. It was kind of just like, it just, it just clicked. We should also mention that it was an absolute disaster of an event because it was six people. Okay. Very small group. It was lovely. Really, really lovely people, but it was like torrential like apocalyptic rain throughout or like halfway into the, the trail. So, you know, we were bringing people into one shop to another shop. And when people we, would go into one shop, they'd buy some stuff and you know, say one charity shop might give them in like a, the clothing in a plastic, in a, plastic bag but some places would give it a paper bag so then we were like running to the next shop getting like you know lashed on absolutely soaked and then people were arriving with these paper bags that had once held the clothing that they had just bought in the shop before but because it was so wet it disintegrated and the clothes were like strewn out on the path and they were running with these you know baseless bags (laughs) so it was just um, when was when was that that was in November 2018. Um, so that kind of then, I suppose, you know, Taz talking about how excited we were after. I feel like that was us kind of, I don't know, like <laughs> having the first taste of the drug and then being like, no, okay, we're hooked. And uh, immediately. And so from there, we kind of continued. Like we still had our own, like I was doing freelance writing, Taz was doing freelance podcast producing. And so we were kind of organizing these events on the side. Sorry, one yeah. second. Let's, sorry, I have to, my landlord's at the door. Two seconds. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it, but my extractor fan is like going dunk, dunk, dunk in the background. So he oh, was no. trying to fix it. Anyway, it doesn't okay, matter. I see, I see. Okay, where, where were we? We were saying about the... We were kind of at oh, the end saying. of that spiel anyway, to be yeah. honest. We're going to go on for hours. <laughs> that was 2018 when you started the Sustainable Fashion Dublin and you just kind of like got on the road as such Mm. and did you just do that for about two years then yeah so basically we the first event was just before christmas um, and then as jeremy was mentioned i said we were kind of doing it as a side gig like we weren't making any money from it we were just doing it for the love of it and did a couple of charity shop crawls then we started doing swap shops and then it really started snowballing to a, a, a kind of a a point where in 2019 in the summertime we quit our jobs well we were freelance anyway but we you know we put all of our time and energy into sustainable fashion double and it became our full-time gig and we kind of say that sustainable fashion is almost like the gateway drug into sustainability so we had all of these people coming to swap shops and you know upcycling workshops and sewing classes that we were running weekly and there was an appetite there for more and as we became more and more interested in sustainability we realized that there's so many different causes there's so many different kind of like facets of sustainability that people just need a bridge to help them get there so we started doing loads with food waste you know teaching people how to compost repurpose scraps how to make their own nut milks and just started doing loads more workshops and that's kind of the way it's been for the last two years up until coronavirus yeah. <laughs> um but um we, we do loads of webinars as well we give webinars to schools and businesses about all things sustainability um but yeah that's it's been for the last two years yeah two and a half years so is the webinars and the workshops and stuff like that is that how you use basically make a living from the project 
Yeah, exactly. So we were obviously kind of devastated when coronavirus hit because our main income had been giving these talks to school and businesses and then also hosting events. So events immediately wiped out. There's there no kind of opportunities for them anymore for what we thought was going to be three weeks. Lol. <laughs> three weeks. God, we were obviously jokesters then. Um, so then we had to kind of figure out how to, you know, continue the, the webinars and talks um, to and bring it onto like an online pa- platform because that really is, I'd say, 70% of our income. We would do some kind of branded work now through our Instagram page, which would be kind of an, just kind of ticking, I suppose, our, like our entire income then was between the branded stuff and but mostly the webinars. So yeah, we would continue to do them via Zoom and it's just... Uh, it's, it's been an interesting experience because I suppose going into skills and businesses, you know, you, you can imagine we, we would try to like bounce off people and have a bit of crack as we're kind of dishing out the information and um, trying to drum sustainability into people's ears. But via Zoom, I mean, you're effectively giving or like, you know, spewing out these jokes to a blank wall. You're getting nothing in return. It's very much, I would say, character building Yeah. Um, because you really have to just kind of, you know, keep your energy up against all odds because you're getting zero back. And you know the way with sustainability, as you were mentioning there, it's such a broad, like it's not really one topic really. It's like fashion, food, the environment. It, like every facet of life probably has an element of sustainability or like non-sustainability to it. How do you use like balance that because I even find it with the podcast now if we like for example something happened up in Belfast the other day where um there was a memorial for the 29 year anniversary of a shooting that happened on the Armour Road and the cops went in really heavy-handed and ended up arresting one of the survivors and when I seen that I was like oh I was like right we need to share this on the social media and then but then it just kind of consumed me for the day. It's like, oh, people need to hear about this. And yeah. he write something about it. I'm going to check in. And I'm going to make sure if anybody's commenting, I'm going to get back to them. And it, then, I, and then it's like nine o'clock at night. I'm like, where did that day go? I was like, I've been yeah. kind of checking in with Instagram there all day on and off or whatever. And even when we're putting out the episodes, like it's just like, because the social media is kind of the world's window to the podcast, mm. that sometimes it can become... A little bit, a little bit overwhelming, and then we end up becoming martyrs to the podcast in a way. So we've really yeah. had to work to try and balance that and make it so that we're not martyrs of the podcast or to Instagram or whatever. And I'm guessing that it's kind of somewhat similar with sustainability in that, like, it's it's everything and it's never ending. Yeah. It's not like you're going to wake up someday and then sustainability is not going to be an issue anymore, not going to be mm-hmm. something you're passionate about. So how do you right. balance the two things? Yeah, well, I think like, I think it's something that is a process for sure. When we first started this, it was a lot more difficult. I think, um, you know, we always say that knowledge is power, like knowledge, you know, it's amazing to know all of these things, but it's also such a hindrance, you know, knowing what we know, like we can never, I can never go into a shop and buy a pair of underwear, you know, I have to order them from an organic, you know, retailer or whatever, you know, like it is knowing what we know, it, it can be quite difficult and it can be quite a weight on our shoulders and it can make life a bit difficult too, you know, and it got to a stage where I think both of us will agree, like when we were really in the depths of it and we really truly believed it was everybody individual actions and every single person on this planet was responsible for their consumption and their carbon footprint and being sustainable and stuff like we weren't nice people to be around you know like I my family used to hate when I came home because I used to go through the recycling bin and give out to them you know or like I'd have friends who would be buying fast fashion and would 
you know, if I asked them, if I said, I like your jumper, where'd you get? They're like, oh, don't give out to me, which I wouldn't do. But, you know, it was just, it wasn't sustainable, like, you know, pardon the pun. And it's not sustainable to think like that. You know, like that kind of guilt, you know, that, that, that we feel, or maybe that you felt that you needed to spread the news of what happened in Belfast. It's like, that's, you know, it's only harming ourselves, really. Like, you need to harness that guilt and kind of like, maybe, you know, talk about, like, try to use that to change governmental action or like policy or you know systemic change etc but like there is only so much that we can do you know and I think it's realizing that and realizing that individual action is important it's important to spread the word it's important to talk about sustainability it's important to you know recognize what's going on in the world but like we have to live our life and the reality is that you know even the month of January Geraldine and I took it off to kind of re-educate ourselves and listen to loads of podcasts read some books do some online courses and it's depressing Anna. like it's you know it's like working in sustainability it's not sunflowers and stars you know it's it's bad news and bad news and bad news and bad news and it's it's sometimes you know we question what's the point of doing what we're doing when you know the temperatures are still rising sea levels are still rising biodiversity loss is increasing climate migration is increasing and it's you know it's these are these are realities, you know. This is this is the reality of the situation. But I suppose what we try to do is, you know, is be that beacon of hope for people that it isn't hopeless. Um, so I don't know if we have a solution. It's definitely a process, and it's something that we're work, working towards. But trying not to be beaten down by the bad, I think. Yeah, yeah, big time. And like, I think what we always say to ourselves is that, like, thank God we still managed to have a laugh. Like, I mean, I definitely know I wouldn't be able to do what we're doing now by myself. I think Taz, you'd be the same. Like, you know, we do really try to have fun where at all possible we can like every day will like just erupt into like fits of laughter like uncontrollable like you know that kind of like silent laughter like you know just kind of heavy breathing <laughs> these situations I wish you but, listeners like, could see Geraldine's facial expression yeah. right now but I try to describe it. it's eyes closed <laughs> <laughs> cheeks um but yeah it's effectively like we always say like you know and we're hardly we're definitely not making millions either um and like you know we're, we've made it somewhat sustainable you might say in terms of just like actually having a, a monthly income and stuff like that but at the end of the day because the topics that we are looking into and that we're researching and we're telling other people about they are they're very dark um if we weren't somehow being able uh, somehow able to balance that darkness with legitimacy uh, is that the word uh, lightness essentially and like kind of just having a laugh I don't think we'd be able to do what we do and to be honest I I struggle to imagine how people keep going when when they do kind of this like um, advocacy work by themselves um, I, I would struggle to imagine it being sustainable and I don't know how I would be able to do it mm. if if I didn't have someone just to even just kind of soundboard and be like Jesus Christ this this is absolutely garbage what mm. the world is going through right now and like oh my god like I you know every once in a while I will I'll just be like is is there any point in what we're doing? And I suppose it's, it's being able to interact with people, I think is what keeps us going as well. Definitely. Like, you know, like we said, from, from that first event, it was seeing how, you know, it can really lift people and, and make them feel that bit of empowered. I think that's what kind of spurred us on. And so it's, although, you know, social media can be this kind of vortex sucking out all your time. Um, and it's so easy to, you know, like a, like a black hole, but when you spend too much time in it but actually it is what enables us to you know chat to people and and share ideas and actually get inspiration from others it's not like we're the only ones there to uh, inspire but I think that's what's kind of kept us going is is this connection element between ourselves but mm. also I think between our community and that's 
definitely something that's kind of spring I, I think as well and in particular with like any sort of activist work it's like it's important to, to know when to turn off but mm-hmm. it's also important to like recognize that like you're trying you know it's like even if you, you know even if anybody listening to this buys fast fashion five times a month and over the course of the last three weeks is now buying twice a month like amazing brilliant if you are going vegetarian once a week brilliant you know if you are trying to educate yourself on biodiversity loss like anything is brilliant you know it doesn't have to be this all or nothing approach and that's something that we both have to recognize you know like I'd be so guilty getting you know a takeaway travel mug and I know that um you had an an excellent episode with is it Anya Gorman Anya Gorman yeah and she talked about that as well and like the way like there's no like us feeling individually guilty for not having a keep cup is just ridiculous you know it's just nobody nobody wins from that scenario so just try to go easy on yourself the thing when you're working kind of for yourself it really puts in the sharp focus that your own energy and kind of vitality is a very finite resource in and of itself Mm -hmm. and like to treat that kind of like in a sustainable way is like is so important and like i've found that when it's putting stuff out there on Instagram sometimes can become a little bit uh, kind of like overtaken or whatever, but then it's balanced up with doing things like this where we're just sitting and having a chat or, um, you know, like just kind of enjoying the stuff that that we're doing, which it, that really comes across in, in all the stuff that you guys have on the go. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, what I wanted to ask you is, is kind of related to that is what what are the, the biggest questions that you guys have to ask yourselves before you decide to put something out there? Ooh, yeah. That's an excellent question. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I've ever thought, thought about that. I'd say, I think we're kind of good at being like, you know, is it either informative? Like, is it actually going to bring someone a benefit in terms of like expanding their mind on a subject? Or is it entertaining? Like, to be honest, I, I kind of, what I would try to always think of, because I would have had a, social in, in that random course, I did the transition year degree. <laughs> um, it, I did social media as part of it. And they always said, like, you know, you have to, when you're, when you're posting things online or whatever, you have to think about, like, well, is it actually of interest to you? Would you click on this? Would you want to know more about what you're talking about? And are you presenting it in a way that engages you? So will it then all your it will engage your audience as well? So I genuinely would be kind of active in thinking, like, mm. oh, God, is this funny? Like, it, for example, now, it might seem very... Uh, kind of silly but like I'm very passionate about memes just as passionate as I am about sustainability I am about memes and I wow. love a good meme 50-50 yeah I would say so <laughs> um uh, I feel like they give me energy if, if anything else but uh so we would make memes sometimes and like I would always kind of if I'm thinking of something I'd send it to Taz and if she's like oh yeah like haha like that's kind of funny I'd be like but is it funny enough like it has to be actually lol funny and it, it seems again like silly but I think so long as I actually can stand by what we're doing, whether it's actually <laughs> factual and informative and helpful to someone or else, it is going to make them chuckle. At the very least, I want to <laughs> So I think that is something that I think when we're yeah. stuff. And I think one thing that we're increasingly aware of is accessibility, making mm-hmm. sure that what we're posting is accessible to a wide demographic of people. Because, you know, um, we have found our, uh, the, 
perception over the last few years is that sustainability is quite inaccessible to people in mm-hmm. particular sustainable fashion or sustainable food with regards to maybe like sizing of clothing maybe cost of sustainable food people think that it's inaccessible because for the most part it can be so mm-hmm. when we post stuff we're increasingly aware of making it like diverse and inclusive and accessible like that's they're kind of like three things that we're really trying to put more energy and focus into because there's only so much good we can do by you know preaching to you know late 20 early 30s white women like ourselves you know it's like mm-hmm. an echo chamber is no good so we definitely want to try to become more accessible to everybody else do you ever consider when you're putting stuff out and it's like the very nature of your your um social media channels or whatever is that like it's kind of like informative and it's a stream of information about like all different facets of sustainability do you ever consider like our people think that we're just being really preachy here when we put this out yeah that's like that's something that we definitely try to it's kind of annoying because we actually we put up a thing one recently that it was it was a meme again but it said like something about you know like uh, chatting to sustainability chatting sustainability to your family in a non-preachy way or something like that and we got a message from somebody saying that by people whenever people talk about sustainability by saying that they're being preachy it like it kind of like discredits the actual cause of it that like we can't talk about this thing without saying that it's preachy effectively like say don't be like promoting how you're unpreachy because that puts down people who are being perceived as being preachy so she's like you know anyone who talks about sustainability whether it's in a non-preachy way or in a preachy way should be kind of you know supported and encouraged so by you saying guys don't worry we're doing it in a non-preachy way you're actually putting down people who are being perceived as preachy if if you get what I mean so she was like can you stop saying we we present sustainability alternatives in a non-preachy way and I kind of I got what she meant and I was like okay that's it's an interesting I wouldn't have thought of you know by us saying this we're inadvertently building someone else down or you know their own kind of efforts to educate but at the same time like that's I think that was one of the the barriers to entry that I found with the sustainability movement before I I got woke to the world you know <laughs> but when I was still sitting at my desk uh, scrolling online um fast fashion sites I I would have looking up t-shirts that said hashtag yes queen <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah so woke um I would have I think I would have like seen sustainability activists and stuff as I've been like like really like pre- preachy but also like just inaccessible so like Taz was saying either it's you know it's too expensive I didn't have the money to be buying a 200 euro organic cotton shirt but also then there was the kind of other end of the spectrum of people being like ah you know you're ruining the world with your pen it's made from lead like that's it's you or you know or like you know you should join me and and only wear hemp underwear or you know yeah that granola you should be wearing that as trousers not eating for breakfast don't you realize what you're wasting like I just kind of felt that it was all so extreme so my hair is absolutely bonkers <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see. I wish people could see the actions. <laughs> um, but oh god, I kind of lost my train. But basically, that like it, do, it it can seem in, inaccessible, you know. And like the preachy thing, I think like the preachy thing is like the all or nothing, you know. Like people think if I if you know if we're giving out about methane production methane with cows for example that like we are saying that you have to go vegan or you are there's no point even putting your foot on the sustainability ladder and like in terms of like being preachy that's something that we try not to do we try to very much avoid the all or nothing thing you don't have to dedicate your whole life to sustainability you can you know put your foot in the ladder you can change an action this week and that's fine so like that's kind of like i feel like our parameter for being preachy or not preachy 
Harry is getting on with the accessibility side of things. Do you feel like that sustainable the sustainability sort of movement is more accessible now than what it was, say, when you started off the project? Yeah, I think as well, we were kind of a little bit naive. Like, I, I think we had we had found such a kind of a positive alternative in swap shops, in charity shops. And so when people were like, oh, like, you know, what should we do if we can't, if we can't afford, you know, if we can only afford the clothes from these fast fashion brands? And I was like, just go to a charity shop. We're like, just swap with your friends. But that was being so ignorant to the people, the fact that, okay, first of all, say, if you're saying like, go to vintage shops, you got great style there, but people were historically smaller, you know, in, in the years gone by. So there's, there's such a smaller um, bandwidth of, of different sizes for people. So first of all, there's that, then there's charity shops. You don't know what sizes are going to be in there. So if you fall in the realm of size eight to size 14, that's fine. Like there's, there's going to be lots of selection there for you, but you can't be certain that there's going to be, if you're, say, a size 18, size 20, you can't be certain that there's going to be an item of clothing there. And, like, how kind of upsetting it would be to go into a shop and just have to, you know, kind of traipse around and just, you know, realise that there's actually nothing for you there. You know, and we've 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 hosted um, plus-size swap shops before in the past. And, you know, just hearing people's perspective, like, God, there's, there's so many more kind of psychological factors at play with fashion. I mean, it's really, really personal. So it can kind of be quite upsetting. And then, you know, even, say, swap shops as an alternative again if you fall within this kind of um easy to access size um for when it comes to clothing then you you go to a swap shop with quite a lot of confidence that there will be something there that you can at least at very least fit into let alone like but then you know why would you go to a swap shop only to find that there, there might not be clothing there in your size so just i mean it was it was just hard because a lot of the alternatives that we were kind of saying go for that weren't actually accessible so we had to kind of re- reassess our own kind of thinking and then again with food you know the, the organic movement uh, movement and kind of argument obviously it's 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 got so much weight and it's really important but again totally inaccessible to people at lower incomes so just trying to kind of look at what the what we're kind of preaching or you know the, the message that we're sending out um, and see how we can make sure it's as accessible as possible to as many people as possible is, is really really important mm. and then I suppose just the other thing would be kind of the diversity thing it, we found that it was a little bit hard because we are two white women so it was like okay how because we we do we, we like to kind of put forward our personality a, a lot of um in terms of like the messaging and kind of give our own spin on things but then it means that literally all it is is two young white women um at the, at the center of our message so we do we do try to kind of get other people on board to to help um share their perspective as well when i think back to whenever i was a teenager i would never have gone into a charity shop oh i never would have within the either pre-mark or pennies either because in my head that was just lame and like me and all my mates just wanted to be wearing fresh adidas gear yeah <laughs> and that's it <laughs> yeah I don't um, mean yeah yeah <laughs> um and i suppose that that's a a, a big barrier to, to cross for a lot of people because you're coming up against all of the marketing and the consumerism and the branding, yeah. which a lot of the time can be rooted quite deeply in people's psychology. Mm-hmm. That yeah. like to, to, yeah. you have to wear though if like for us like it was kind of do you know, like you want to be cool and stuff and you want to be mm. like the same as your mates and well, that's that's marketing like you know it's like that's that's the marketing of these fast fashion brands and it's targeting young people young women in particular but young men as well and it's selling the idea that if you buy these new clothes 
you will be on trend, you will be liked, you will be popular, you will be cool. And then next thing you know, you go back into the high street shop two weeks later and there's a whole new set of clothes there, which is then sending the idea that what you own is already out of style, you know? And like, that's marketing. That's done for a reason, you know? Like that is clothing, clothing being like given this kind of holier thou effect that it can actually make you popular is what marketing is doing right now do you know and it, it's stopping people I don't think so I don't think more so recently I think charity shops are kind of like cool now I hope <laughs> tell me it's kids. totally changed but, um, now like I think yeah but back in the day like I got my devs dressed in a charity shop and I didn't tell a soul like nor, nor would I do you know it was just it was like granny gear for sure when you're describing the marketing there of the the big kind of high street brands and the fast fashion brands that's an enormous battle to be facing into mm-hmm. and I suppose that kind of relates back to the question I was asking is earlier on is like are you guys able to switch off at some point and be like that's the day of work finished now let's just leave that aside and get on with something that it hasn't got to do with kind of trying to change things I I think I would struggle. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I'm sure both of us would, um, in terms of, I think the social media is really what kind of keeps you tethered. Um, I think we're getting better at it now that I, I'd say definitely in the first kind of year, because, you know, like your, your, your hamsters, like, or like, you know, you're, you're swimming, you're trying to stay afloat and trying to keep momentum going. So like, you know, if, if you, if you don't post every single day then people are going to forget about you, there's this kind of weird perception of that, I think as well, among people who are trying to produce or content well, um, online. But I think we're getting better now being like, look, we're okay. We've taken a month off. People haven't forgot, forgot that we existed. And I think it, it kind of, we've been able to mellow out a little bit on that front that being said I mean on the weekends I'll still be flat out listening to anything I can like in terms of podcasts for sustainability because I think as well there's there's a fear that drives it that I'm terrified that someone's going to ask me a question about something that I should know when it comes to sustainability or anything in, in line with that and I'm going to just flatline and not have a clue what they're talking about so it's, it's a good thing I think as well in parts in that it, you know we're always constantly learning and we're really open to learning and eager to learn and we're open to the fact that we don't know everything but at the same time I'll be damned if I go into a podca- podcast and they say so tell me a little bit about this to do with stale fashion and I'm like and <laughs> 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 like do that thing of you know like speak and and nothing comes out <laughs> you're, you're mouthing speaking and then you're hoping that they think that the, the connection's gone you're like okay okay I'm back having googled whatever it is a question that they ask you <laughs> so um it's, it's 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 a kind of struggle to you know be kind of always educating yourself and learning and and kind of to cram that all into the, the working day, I think is, is a little bit tricky um, because there's so much to learn and there, there's so much information out there. But definitely, I think we've gotten that little mm. bit better at being like, you know what, we, we can save the world. We, we're only two people. Mm. Um, I think as well, at the very beginning, we felt a huge responsibility, even to like reply to people. Like on our... With our like, and our, our our Instagram following isn't that big compared to you know loads of people. You know, it's 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 small enough, but like you know, any given week we'll get hundreds of messages, hundreds of messages, and we felt a huge responsibility to get back to every single person as soon as possible. Like we still try our hardest to get back to everybody who messages mm. us, but like that can be 
so incredibly time consuming and it's hard because you know people are messaging us and saying you know they went into a charity shop and they found an amazing dress thanks for introducing us or they tried the nut milk recipe that we posted thank you so much and we want to you know express our gratitude for them for following us and supporting us and getting involved but um at the same time we have to kind of like value that we can't spend hours and hours every single week sending these personalized messages to jimmy joe fred and laura you know because like tal also she's pointing out like the kind of real positive messages that we get but then sometimes we'll get people being like hi like what does sustainability mean to you or like or something that's kind of like let me google this for you you know okay maybe not that what does sustainability mean to you but it's like hi are there any charity shops in my area i live in black rock it's like yeah let me just go to google and you, you want to be nice to everyone and know you know be appreciative of the fact that they're you know following you or you know they're engaging with your stuff but then as well you'll get people who are just actually like giving out to you about something you know say for the example that the person who was saying don't be saying non-preachy or whatever and like that sucks a lot of energy out you know trying to be like first of all there's kind of the the the, the shock and the kind of upset that someone is you know sometimes they'll be you know pretty angry about whatever it is that they're giving out about and then you have to like spend hours trying to create this message that is like political correct not um, insulting them back but also like standing your ground and you know just so much time goes into those kind of moments as well mm, and you'd be surprised like we don't get a lot of hate but we get some I and mean, like it's like we're two fun loving gals who are preaching the world of in you know sustainability i'm like what's there to hate but people find stuff to hate <laughs> the thing you were saying there about taking a month off and being sort of afraid to end up on a podcast where someone asks you a question and like you don't know what to say and always being kind of learning new things like for me that's one of it kind of that kind of ties in with uh the approach of not being not coming across as consistently preaching this stuff that everyone needs to pay attention to because it would probably be easier for you guys to do that Mm -hmm. it's easy easy to curate uh a social media account where everything is like pristine and it's like, this is the message and this is just it. And you just have to listen to it. And then I think that that maybe kind of creates a bit of a disconnect eventually for people, but it's whenever people feel like they're following other human beings Mm. who are in the process of learning about things who are, you're when you're trying your best and just have all of the same characteristics as any other human, like sometimes nailing it, sometimes not nailing it, sometimes need to take a break, sometimes like doing loads of work. And um, so, and, and for me, like that's kind of one of the things that I think that like, how come I ended up following you in the first, in the first place? Um, so, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's what I was We're glad that we come across as humans and not robots. Yeah. Taz and Geraldine, they use <laughs> But like, I, I'm so glad as well that like that is something I think that has benefited us. People have seen that actually it's two two flawless women um, at the at the helm of this because I mean I think a fear of being again this is like I'm terrified that I'm going to say something wrong or like not know the answer. But also I am so terrified of getting cancelled. I'm like, oh my god, we're going to do something. Someone's going to see like a, I don't know a penny's bag at the back of my kitchen and then. <laughs> I'm, I'm done like that's the end of us so I think there, because there is this cancel culture online and so much of what we do is online that I'm like uh, and, and, and equally I'm terrified and so I've got a lot of fears I'm so scared that um, Instagram is going to shut down because that's all we are yeah. <laughs> I mean if Instagram goes so are we we're gonzos yeah it's honestly the fear of being like 
last year, actually around Christmas time last year, Geraldine and I, okay, I like vegetarian 99.9% of the time, but around Christmas time last year, we were working in our old office space, the tower building, and we took an early lunch, we're like, Becca, let's go get a feast. And I got a charcuterie board, who the hell do I think I am? And Geraldine got a burger, okay, and we were sitting outside the Gillaton restaurant in Dublin, like on the street, and we're like, if somebody walks by and takes a picture of us, we are done for it. Like, me with like a pig in 17 forms. <laughs> but I should give you some context, like I don't genuinely, I'm, I'm not a big, I just not a big meat fan anyway and like I definitely I would never get a burger I think we had had a really bad day and we were just very much like do you know what fuck it let's get meat <laughs> let's just get whatever we can see on the menu that is like the opposite of what we do on our day-to-day life I think we just need that bit of an escape but exactly I was terrified someone was gonna like take a photo I think the, it was the days of bloggers and veils so that uh, someone might have been like those girls what did you just learn about whenever you just took the month off in January Oh, um, so I learned how to make banana bread and oh, no, I'm just joking. Um, I learned, I uh, did a couple of courses on decolonizing kind of education and trying to like look at climate justice and social justice and look at kind of like the links between racial justice, climate justice and environmental justice and kind of looking at how the future of sustainability needs to be intersectional essentially and um, how kind of maybe the sustainability movement has been quite whitewashed and the people who are really feeling the effects of climate change are mostly people of colour. So just kind of like looking at that through a new lens um, and trying to, that's kind of like in the hope that in the next year or so, you know, the movement will become more diverse and inclusive and um, kind of, we'll, we'll just begin, begin thinking of it, not just kind of on home soil. It kind of helped me to understand how, you know, we're not feeling the effects of climate change per se here, but, you know, our actions, our carbon fo- our carbon emissions, for example, could be causing, you know, mass desertification in places that is then therefore causing mass migration, that is therefore causing climate refugees who are coming to Ireland and maybe put in a direct provision centre. You know, it's just, it's like trying to close the loop between how our environmental actions, our lack of environmental actions is actually going to have such an effect down the line and it's affecting us right now and communities right now. Yeah. And then I suppose I was, I don't know if you've heard of this online course kind of site called FutureLearn, but they have loads of different online courses, like from like a huge range of different subjects. So I did one on sustainable fashion, which I believe, but uh, our bread and butter. But actually, I suppose like when we started off, it was two and a half years ago and, you know, facts change fast. And I felt kind of like, I think both of us thought that we were coasting off a lot of the kind of education that we would have done at the very start of our work. And we were like, okay, I think we should make sure that we're always at the forefront of the latest developments or information or facts. So I did that. And I also did um, a lot of, I, I don't know how I fell down this hole, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Um, it was about kind of like the sustainability of like electrics and electronics and kind of, um, I don't know if you ever heard of this premature obsolescence. Yeah, planned obsolescence, isn't it? Kind of like where they plan, it's guaranteed that your washing machine is going to break after a couple of thousand uses and then it's gone. Yeah, I feel feel like I say that phrase now so carefully because I was talking to my dad and I was like, you know, channeled with all this energy and passion being like, dad, it's not cool, premature. But I was saying premature convalescence. I was like, have you heard of premature convalescence? And he was like, uh... Yeah, and I was like, it's awful. You know, it's it's, it's like these um, brands making stuff that's like purposely going to you know fail you and break or whatever. He's like, no, no, I think you think of something else. I was like, no, premature convalescence. And he's like, that, convalescence isn't that when people are like dying and they're being looked after in, in hospice care? 
<laughs> I was like, uh, sorry, you're wrong word. <laughs> um, so anyway, learning all about that, getting the words wrong, but uh, learning a lot about the the kind of the importance then I suppose of of circularity and and making stuff to last and the repair economy I think as well was another kind of big part of that and the fact that you know these these businesses that are trying to repair people's phones are actually getting hounded by the big electronic companies or like you know the apples or whatever and um, because they know what a threat it would be if if repair became the done thing as opposed to just buying new all the time is repair repair culture kind of on a on a decline over the well, last number I mean, of years yeah i suppose like i mean it makes you if you just think of like the way phones were used to be made you know the nokia 3310s or whatever you know the bricks that literally you could like fling them out of a, a toilet building in ireland and it would you know probably fall to the ground and the ground would break and the phone would be perfectly intact because they were made uh, you know, to be so long lasting whilst now phones are made and you know most people's phones would break within three years um and yet it the, the cost and the effort that is required to get stuff fixed is so high that people just perceive it to be like not there's no point in it so people are far more likely to buy new as opposed to um to get things repaired and the same goes for white goods so that would be like you know your dishwasher your your washing machine all those kind of products as well you know i don't know how many times you've ever had a a plumber come in or electrician when when any of those any of those objects are broken and they'll kind of more than likely say uh like you'd be more uh, be better off just to get new instead of me repairing this because it's going to cost you like a fair whack of the um uh price of buying new that it would if i was to fix this um, that, just, that yeah, goes for um, like that goes for like fashion as well Do you mm, know? it exactly. goes it goes for loads of different industries like you know if a shirt you buy a shirt in a high street shop for a fiver and a button falls off it why the hell would you sew a button back on you just go in and get another shirt that's five euro and i think like the repair like the kind of the habit of repairing is definitely on the incline unfortunately and I think it's because decline, well, decline sorry um, because um, it's like a loss of connection you know we're not mm. connected to things anymore we're not connected to the people who are making our clothing so we don't really have any value in them and like that even goes for like food you know we're not connected to the soil that is making our food we're not connected to where carrots are coming from so we'll just throw them out you know like if you know how long and how hard it is to grow a carrot you'll never you never throw one out if you know you know how much effort it is to make a shirt you'll you'll always sew the button back on all that kind of stuff it's just kind of a loss of connection unfortunately mm. and like the idea that we always that we always need new new is better it sounds like the, the that kind of connection that you're talking about is somewhat related to what you were talking about there about the stuff you were learning in january in regards to closing the loop and learning about what impact our collective actions have could potentially on the other side of the world like that kind of brings you into the realm of politics and Mm. kind of global politics in a way i'm curious about where that kind of sits with the sustainability movement because Mm. that was something that myself and anu garman ended up talking about on the episode that we did was that it could be really easy just to fall into the the view of like get a cape cup put your recycling out and then that's sustainability mm-hmm. but yeah. how does it tie in with the, the global scale yeah so like I think I think that's so it's so important and that's kind of something that we are you know we're trying to learn more about as well it's like the change has to be systemic for sure like not only just systemic in terms of like Irish politics but like in terms of like global politics for sure and I did a bit of research there recently into the Paris Climate Agreement and just kind of like looking at that and how we are going to make you know make the world fair in terms of like emission reduction and in terms of you know environmentalism 
And, you know, in terms of like us rich economies, you know, the UK, Ireland, America, who have built their economy off the back of burning fossil fuels for years and years and years and years and years. And then we're looking at these developing countries and shunning them for using these fossil fossil fuels, you know, that are going out into the atmosphere and, you know, realizing that like, that's not fair. You know, we have to have like, we have to either pay them to help them build their economy without fossil fuels or all this kind of stuff. So that's something that we're definitely learning about more and more and something that we want to get involved with more in terms of like policy and systemic change, because there's only so much that we can do, but we also feel like from the ground up the reason we encourage people to quit fast fashion or try to go vegetarian for for you know a day a week or you know use your keep cup is because it's almost like a gateway you know if people if people take on these these kind of habits then they are more likely to take an interest in, in environmentalism they are maybe more likely to email their td once or once you pop you can't stop Ooh. so like you know the maybe the immediate action of using a keep cup instead of using a disposable coffee cup is uh, you know a drop in the ocean it can be it, it might lead to something else it may it may lead to you reading an article about you know uh, the bleaching of coral reefs and therefore leading onto your td whatever it may be it's kind of like you know a, a tiered approach that little explainer that you just put up about the paris agreement the other day i think that kind of stuff is really useful as well because from a home point of view it's easy to fall and to be like Fuck well, there's, there's no point in me putting my recycling out when literally, like, the world is just completely bollocks and mm-hmm. we're just like pulling all the resources out on an enormous global scale. Like, what difference is it going to make if I like just put this like piece of paper in the wrong bin or something like that? But yeah. when things are broken down like that, when and it's like easily kind of a bit more easily understood, mm-hmm. or you can see it a bit more clear, it it, it does kind of like says well actually that there is it seems like there is more point in making doing kind of like individual efforts then whenever mm. it's balanced with uh, an understanding of what's happening or the, the, the big kind of like paris agreements and stuff like that absolutely because um, even like we would always say like genuinely like our, our whole like belief system is like people are, in, are in, well, we believe people are inherently good okay people want to do better and it's just a case of like you know they've been fed this this lie that they have to buy more to be more of, of value i don't know innately but what we would always say is that you know people are good they want to do better where they can but it's just the whole issue is so huge that it's almost like it's it's, it's too big to even start at any one point so they're just not going to engage or they're just not engaging or they haven't up to this point but that we find that when we kind of and not to make, say that it's like people are stupid but like when we spoon feed them the information that makes them stop in their tracks and say jesus christ this is actually such a bigger issue or like something that I didn't realize if I just do that, then that that can really impact this issue or that can really, you know, make things better or whatever. So by kind of really breaking things down and make that a little bit more digestible, we find that that has really kind of appealed to this big market of people that might not have necessarily engaged with, say, the Greta Thunbergs because what they were talking about maybe was too complicated for someone who hadn't even started using Keep Cup, so to speak. So we'd be able to kind of break things down and really present it in a way that, you know, might be a little bit like whimsical at times or like you know to say, to say the meme aspect or kind of the color or whatever it is but it's just and if we can appeal to that circle of people that haven't kind of engaged from the other from the efforts of other people who are equally worthwhile but maybe just their approach hasn't had that same appeal and um, i think that's where we tend to fit in that's like kind of our because it's not that we're saying that everyone you know, it's, these are such heavy topics that, you know, you need to be serious about them. There's a time and a place to be serious and to give it the weight that it deserves. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't appeal to a lot of people. So if we can kind of 
presented in a way that's kind of fun, kind of silly at times then, um, and, and it still has that effect of getting people involved and engaged, then like I'm happy out. Is there an element of consumerism now surrounding the sustainability movement in and of itself? Yeah. Oh, like a huge. So I was actually just about to say that we should probably put out a disclaimer here that this episode isn't uh, sponsored by Keep Cup. Oh, yeah. We said Keep Cup about a hundred times. Oh, hundred percent. It's like okay, I'll tell you how you can be sustainable. Buy a bamboo cutlery. Get a bamboo toothbrush. Buy your eco toothpaste. Get your nice fancy cup. Keep Cup. Your aluminium bottle that costs thirty five euros. You know, it's like this is this. The solution isn't buying more. You know, the solution is not reinventing the wheel here. All of these new sustainable products like they grind our gears like there is again a time and a place and a lot of them are you know swaps that will last you a lifetime for example but like the key to this is looking to the past you know it's like what were we doing before we got to this catastrophic level of climate change like our grannies were sewing buttons back on Mm -hmm. we were using mugs you know we were you know using bottles whatever it may be like waste food we didn't waste food it's not about you know reinventing and getting all of these new products it's actually going back to the way it is like bring a mug to a coffee shop you know keep reusing you know a plastic water bottle and stick in the dishwasher every now and then you know like just Get like men tears in your jumper you don't have to buy you know a recycled polyester jumper whatever it may be if you have a jumper from pennies that you love and you wear it every single day and has loads of holes in it mend them you know you don't need to go and buy something that's brand new it's like hugely so and like that's an issue that we're going to be facing more and more in the time to come um as well as greenwashing all of these companies again just trying to sell us stuff and looking for an avenue to sell us stuff now that we are becoming more wary of mm. consumerism yeah i can't tell you how many times people have been like like honestly you guys should bring out like a single fashion you know line or like you should bring out like keep cups and say like the uses project i'm like our whole thing is using less we can't just like produce more that completely goes against what we're doing um so yeah definitely we wouldn't we, we try to err on the side of actually you know kind of reuse as opposed to you know even recycling it's reusing it's like the kind of pre-cycling Taz, you just took the answer to the next question I was going to ask you, which was about the lessons that we could get from the times kind of gone, that have gone by. How has the last year or so, like as far as you guys can see, changed our perception of sustainability or people's willingness to engage with issues around sustainability? Well, I think that like over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, I think probably more so in lockdown 1.0, edition <laughs> 1, um, we saw people becoming more connected, I feel. Like even people making banana bread, making sourdough, starting vegetable patches, like just getting connected again to kind of like what it is to live a daily life without, you know, being bombarded with all of this external stuff all the time. Like even on a personal level, like I started a vegetable patch for the first time. And like I previously mentioned, like I will never top and tail a carrot ever again. You know, like it's it's learning where things come from. Like I turned feral for the first lockdown. I was barefoot for like three weeks. Um, I can vouch it. It happens. <laughs> but um, but I, I think that that was really important. You know, people making banana bread as as ridiculous as it sounds like just getting back to kind of like the basics slowing down slowing down and kind of like taking stock of how unsustainable life was becoming the speed and the pace at which things were moving like it just it it simply couldn't continue like it couldn't we couldn't have just kept going and kept going and kept going like the whole world was going to combust it is it probably is going to combust but But, um, I think that that was really important and also like you know even when like you pinpoint like uh, specific things 
the fact that more people are working from home and like people are seeing that that's now a possibility I think is great um on that vein of people working from home like well I suppose just people spending so much more time whether it's working or just being in lockdown I think as well that has had one positive effect in terms of people are realizing how much waste they're producing and not I mean bodily waste (laughs) I mean like packaging and whatnot so you know people as opposed to just like being out and about and you know buying this here and then throwing in the bin there and whatever and uh, or else you're like you know throwing out food or uh, packaging and stuff in the workspace like you're not the one taking out the bags of the bin loads so I think people kind of started to recognize oh my god like there's really so much plastic first of all that I'm like you know buying and throwing out through my food and like you know and then all the other kind of different rubbish that they're producing but I mean I think that was one thing that people started to recognize and kind of try to figure out how they could reduce it in a way that they I don't think they would have had they kind of continued their their previous way of life do you guys practice for your videos and stuff and the content that you're making you know the way when you're making a video on social media like yeah does it just come out like that or are you are like doing loads of takes Oh, oh, oh loads. <laughs> oh, that's what's something that gets me annoyed when I'm like, people think that probably it's just like, you know, just like fling up a video and then you do, go out your, the rest of your day. No, hours. Uh, like <laughs> way too much time than I would ever admit. But we have fun. Honest to God, we have such crack deals. Sometimes. <laughs> but, so, but have you guys found yourselves having to kind of curate these characters now? Like the, the, your I, online I, I would... presence? I think that, like, to be honest, I, I think we're very real versions of ourselves yeah. online, which is it's really enjoyable. I actually think I'm probably a more real version of myself on the useless project than I am even on my own personal <laughs> account, to be honest. Um, but I was going to say in real life. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> before Anna's doing like a therapy session. Uh, but yeah, me. <laughs> I just feel like it's only with you, Anna, that I'm my truth. <laughs> Um, I think that I forget what I was going to say now. Um, Are we creative versions of ourselves? No, I think we genuinely we're very honest. I think as well we keep each other very grounded. Like we're like ah, you're some Egypt. Like what you know? I saw that video you put up yesterday. Don't you look fantastic with your little eyeliner? Oh god! You know we we do keep each other quite grounded. We think we don't get ahead of ourselves as well. We're not too precious about stuff. Like for example, you know one of us might put hours or an entire afternoon into putting this post about say the climate or the Paris climate agreement or or a meme or you know whatever it is and it will flop and like we'll kind of be like yeah that did kind of shit as about you know and we can just get on with it and and be able to accept that like you know there's the moments when we'll really praise each other and be like you did a good job there to being like god we did an awful webinar there the people got absolutely no energy off us i mean like i'd say they're going to want their money back uh you know but there's the kind of the highs and the lows and i think that keeps us grounded and it keeps us real so I, I do think we're keep uh, it real, yo. <laughs> what, what's it like working together? Like, do you ever? What are the ups and downs of working together? Yeah. So ge- again, like generally, like we we feel like parodies of ourselves sometimes. Like, first of all, the conversations we have are like, oh my god, if, if someone it was to peek in at us having this conversation, I either think that we're doing like an ad for like because like I say the other day, oh, like, look at this sustainability. Sorry, so this is a fantastic. Sorry, I know we keep talking about it, but this is a fantastic heat pump. Just put the size of it and the girth is fantastic or whatever it is. Okay. <laughs> and like someone come in and be like, are they actually praising this keep up just in their own free time? And they're not even getting paid for it. Like what what why are they doing this? Like, this, this I can't believe this is real. But we genuinely are first of all passionate about what we're doing. So we, we kind of live and breathe it in that in that sense. But we get on really, really well. And sometimes we'll surprise each other 
by that. I'm like, I'm just looking at Taz being like, oh my God, what is she going to say? <laughs> I'm saying we get on really well. Um, no, I think, and I think like work, like we get on so, so well together, but over the course again of the past two and a half years that we have been working together, I think it's like we become more familiar with how each other work and, mm. you know, knowing that each of us can at any point say, look, I'm not up for working today for whatever reason can we take a half day today? I'm not up for it. Like those kind of things are really important. And we do check in with each other all the time, you know, and you know, if I want to take a week off, if I'm struggling with something, you know, I do so and Geraldine will do the same and we'll pick up the slack for each other. I think yeah. at the beginning, because we started the company, we didn't know each other. It's just so gas to think about it. Like we honestly didn't know each other that like, I didn't think I could say, look, I'm really struggling this week. I'm really anxious this week. Like, would, would you mind if we had late mornings? I, I, I felt like I couldn't say that and vice versa, but mm-hmm. we've kind of like come to a position now. And I think because the last year has been such a shit show, mm-hmm. we're able to be a lot more honest with each other that like, you know, we might not feel like doing front facing. Like I might go through like a couple of weeks where I'm like, look, I'm in the pits. I don't want to do any video stuff this week. And Geraldine will say, look, I'll do the video work. You do the emails or whatever it may yeah. be. It's like finding that kind of balance. Can I just pinpoint that specific example is, and I know when you messaged Taz, you, were, you made reference to spuds. Was that in refer, uh, reference to a, a potato video we did? Yes. Yes. So we did this potato video. It was, it was a branded work and uh, it was for potato.ie. Would you believe it? There's an entire website. <laughs> That's an actual website. Website. Honestly, this dream job, like, doesn't get around. Like, our agent just and like, girls, would you be interested in doing a campaign for potatoes? I mean, we're like, is this, like, is Aston Culture here? Like, where, like, is this, are we about to be pumped? <laughs> but I, just to give you a bit of kind of like a reality check in terms of like, you know, really, we, we mean what we say in terms of, so we were making this video and I can't remember what was happening, but I was just in a bit of a funk. And like, we were trying to record a video promoting potatoes. And for some reason, I just, couldn't deal and I kept making mistakes and I ended up crying and Taz had to take on the entire video and like so I had to be recording it and she was like potatoes this and potatoes that and I was like oh. <laughs> but she, you know it was, it was just people I said they wouldn't realize that you know why I wasn't in the video was because I was upset about something stupid and I couldn't talk about potatoes in, in that moment but um that's you know we're lucky that Taz will do it when I can't and then you know again vice versa but that being said as well like we had a tough few months over lockdown one mm-hmm. when we were like I, there, there was days that I was like, okay, we're done. So we're not going to, we're not going to be able to stay afloat. And also just, there was so much pressure in terms of how do you keep things going when, and I'm sure so many people listening to this would have felt the same in their respective jobs or just even kind of day, daily living, but like it just puts such a, a pressure and a strain. And I think that's probably, that's been our, our pit of the last two and a half years, those kind of weeks and months. And then thankfully it's a, we're able to kind of, realize that how lucky we are now having experienced that and we're like god you know we really need to appreciate how well we get on and the fact that we do continue to have the weeping silent laughter do you guys come up with these like little pet kind of sustainability projects and then become obsessed with them while when you discover something new or something so so say like for example like what 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 do we become obsessed with sustainability wise is in so just like, specific kind of areas of sustainability. Do you, do you guys find yourselves being like all of a sudden go down the rabbit hole of sustainable jewelry and one person will just be like all about sustainable jewelry and then the other person will go down the rabbit hole of sustainable shoes or something like that? Definitely. Like Geraldine did a, a deep dive during the summer on bees. Oh, yeah. I swear to God, like I had to be like, okay, Geraldine, listen to me. <laughs> I know about the fecking bees. Shut up about the bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause we do, we take turns and like doing the deep dive into whatever it is. Um, and even say when we took that month, the month off in January, like we wanted to specifically 
or sorry, individually to learn separate stuff so that we could both bring more to, to what our offering is. Um, but yeah, definitely each one of us would kind of do the deep dive and then kind of be flat out talking about it and like in any way bringing the conversation back to the thing that you just learned. So it's like, oh yeah, so like, what do you want to get for lunch? It's like, oh, I don't know, but did you hear about conf- uh, premature obsolescence? Because it's really <laughs> impacting everything you do. When you wash your dishes, that's going to be in the dishwasher and that's actually going to break on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and what um, where do you see the project going in the future? Um, so like top of the agenda is world domination. Yeah. I know. Um, I think so actually we what we had planned to do and hopefully what we will do someday down the line is basically like a larger scale event, maybe like a multiple day event where we festival festival maybe mm-hmm. um, where we kind of like do loads and loads of different workshops, classes, uh, kind of like demonstrations on sustainability. So, you know, all of our events kind of over the course of three days. So we'll have talks and panel discussions and hands-on workshops, tunes, the whole shebang. So that's going to be, that's kind of what was taking a lot of our energy pre-COVID. Summer 2020 was supposed to be our our summer, our year. (laughs) Lol. Lol. But hopefully that will happen down the line, you know? So that's kind of something that we're tinkering on in the background. Also doing loads more webinars and workshops and kind of like offering our offerings there. Um, I don't know what else. What else do we plan, G? Um... I mean, beekeeping would be my <laughs> my wish, but I'm not sure how's going to go along with it. No, I don't know. I think more immediately, like our plan for the year is definitely to try to get more involved, as we said, with like systemic change, policy, yeah. governmental kind of change, all that kind of stuff is uh, maybe a more personal plan for ourselves and to make sure, make the sustainability movement more accessible. I think like immediately that's all we can plan for. Like we keep planning for these ev- events like post lockdown, but mm. it's kind of getting to a stage now where like, you know, let's just plan for the next month. Yeah. You know, there's no point trying to figure out what our next event is going to be. We just kind of have to work with the deck of hands that we've been, or the hand of cards we've been given. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm glad you said that about the, the policy in particular, because we really felt that I think at the end of last year, we, I suppose like, you know, in fairness to us, we, we had been an events company and then COVID happened and then we had to bring everything online and we just kind of like, you know, pivot. Isn't that what all the, um, what you call Silicon Valley people say, pivot. Um, so we'd pivot the business and bring it all online. Okay, that was great. And then it's kind of, we teach it into the realm of like, living for the gram I think and realizing okay people love the tutorials and they want to learn like how to embroider and how to you know upcycle a skirt or you know this stuff stuff like that that was very whimsical and maybe kind of flowery um but by the end of the year we were like look this you know we're not going to change the world by embroidering a flower over a stain on your lapel like you know (laughs) although it's quite handy and good to know but uh it's it's not going to you know move mountains or change the world so I think again like just having that reflection time in the start of January or the start of the year um, and realizing okay we actually do want to do something we've got this amazing huge community now this this great um a a platform to have actual you know really profound impact if if we use it correctly or you know to to the best of our advantage so um we are focusing big time on policy and hopefully kind of going to get some campaigns going that will really bump up uh bump sustainability up on the agenda i think we hope we hope class that i feel like we've got a little bit spiely or i definitely got a little bit spiely and uh, rambly but thank you so much for having us i just i think that was just a uh, reflection of how excited we were to be here yeah and like honestly and like we're such big fans of this podcast and i think it like it really shines a light on the amazing work that's happening in ireland at the moment amazing like activism but even like storytelling and creative mm-hmm. and art that's happening in the country right now like i recommend this podcast to so many people because i think it really shines a light on like what we have how amazing of a nation we are and how like the people who are in this nation 
and are really doing amazing things with life. So I really, truly, we adore this podcast. Yeah, we do. But I feel like just there, you're like, I, I, my name is Taz Kelleher and I endorse this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that at the top of the show now from now on, just yeah. that little clip at the start, at the opening. One thing before I go, I go have on. to say, my best friend Eve is the biggest fan of Rebel Matters. She's a patron in New Zealand. Heart she, she put me onto this podcast and I'd say she's put on every single person that she knows. <laughs> This episode of the Rebel Matters podcast was presented by me, Anlo Carlan, and produced by Vicky Langan. The Rebel Matters podcast is 100% funded by our followers over on Patreon, and we are very grateful for that support. If you'd like to become a patron, then you can find us on www.patreon.com forward slash Rebel Matters, where you can see the various tiers of support that you can choose from. Every single bit of support that we get here at the Rebel Matters podcast means a lot to us and really does help to keep the show on the road. Anyway, that's all for me this week. So, Gajian Kedarella Akarja, Slan Gafoil, August Kenny Fiore.